0: Welcome to The Well Podcast, where we post the audio messages for our Sunday sermons. For more information about us and how to get further connected, feel free to visit our website at thewellaustin.com.
1: Good morning, Well family. I'm Hillary Doe. I am a Covenant member here at The Well, and I serve on The Well Kids greeting team. And I'm not part of a traditional CG right now because uh, my husband and I are on the core team for Travis Deluna's church plant, which will be Valle Community Church. Um, and this morning, I will be reading from Amos chapter seven, verse ten, verses ten through seventeen. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying. Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. Therefore Amos said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go flee away to the land of Judah and eat bread there and prophesy there. But never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. This is the word of the Lord.
0: All right. Good morning, y'all. How are we? Good, good. Hey, this is the second to last week in Amos. Uh, And I hope that this series has been encouraging and uh, convicting and challenging and comforting and even healing for you uh, so far. So um, as we're kind of winding down the series, today's a really important Sunday. So you ready? Sweet. Um, Today we meet this showdown between Amos and Amaziah, the prophet of God versus the priest of Israel. It's a classic Alexander, Hamilton, and Aaron Burr sort of gunfight right here, right? I challenge you to a duel, okay? So uh, Amos has been preaching against Israel for several chapters now, and Amaziah has had enough of it. And this often happens, actually, when hearing hard words of God. Uh, Let me give you my thesis right up front and then we'll dial it in throughout the uh, sermon today. But there are two different directions that we can turn when hearing words like the words that Amos prophesied. We can decide that these words are way too hard to swallow uh, and therefore not chew them. uh, Or even determine that they're poisonous and therefore not consume them at all. In other words, we can reject the words of God. That's one of the ways that we can respond to hearing these words that are preached or we could feast on them and we can allow the nutrients of them to change our hearts and to change our lives. But in order to feast on them, we can't just actually hear the words of God, we have to consume the words of God. In order for the nutrients to get into our bellies and into our souls, we have to actually consume of them. We cannot, as James says, just be doers of the word, but we must be, or not just hearers, but doers of the word. Because if we are only hearers, then we deceive ourselves. And so we can reject the words of the Spirit and the words of the Scriptures, or we can receive them and allow them to begin to create change in our hearts and in our lives. Now, 88% of us in here would go, yeah, totally, I, I agree with that. And I also receive the words of God, right? Like I desire to receive. I do not desire to reject them, but are we more like Israel than we would like to think? That's been the common question throughout this series because a lot of the words of Scripture are calling for change. Are we sure that we're really willing to change? Uh, Let's chop it up some. This section is broken up into three really clear sections. Two of them have Amaziah hatin' hatin', right? Haters gonna hate. One of them, he reports back about Amos to the king. Uh, The other one, he's talking directly to Amos, though in shade. And then Amos responds to Amaziah in two different sections as well. So let's look at this first section. The text gives us several little hints as to why uh, Amaziah is hating as he goes and begins to report these things that he's saying to the king. Which, if you haven't been tracking with us throughout this series, I would encourage you to go back because a lot of it feeds into today. But It was really clear that Israel had been proclaiming God, but they had not really been following God. That's one of the things we see throughout this time, is that you can profess Jesus with your lips and have your heart and actions be very far from him. It's one thing to talk about Jesus, and it's another thing to talk to Jesus or to have Jesus begin to talk to you. What we see here is a lot of talking about Jesus and Amaziah is like the former. Notice several reasons why I say that. First of all, Amaziah is a priest of Bethel, it says. The real priests were supposed to be in Jerusalem. So we see a separation from the command of God here. In other words, they're taking the ideas that are set forth in scripture, but they're applying them how they like to apply them. Mm, Y'all missed it, okay. We too can be tempted to wear the garments of a priest and to be wanting the honor of a priest, but not obey the commands of God that are given to the priest. We too can take the ideas of scripture, but not actually apply them the way that they are called to apply. We can take the things that we like and then do what we want with the things that are kind of meh to us. See, homie is lying here right? He says that Amos is conspiring against the king. He's a trifling, petty dude, okay? This is a really serious threat uh, because that could have had Amos killed. Uh, Further, Jeroboam, if you read throughout the kings, did have people conspire against him during his reign. So Jeroboam is likely more sensitive to this threat coming from one of his priests, which would have been really hostile towards Amos. Amaziah is saying that the land is unable to hear all of the words that are being spoken. This is the idiom for essentially saying, we ain't trying to hear all that cuz, right? <laughs> like you doing too much is what he's saying there. Uh, let me ask quickly, so we can place ourselves rightly in the story. Do we ever say this about God and the Bible? Like I'm not trying to hear all of this, right? Now we may not say that with our mouths, and perhaps we want to even say it with our minds, but do our hearts ever really say this sentiment? Like, does it ever say, yeah, I know the scriptures say this, but. You just don't know how busy I am, so how in the world can I spend time with God? You don't know how hard it is for me in this season and therefore, or if they only knew the things that I were going through, or how do we know that's the right interpretation? So then you apply the interpretation as you want, as if you're a scholar, and you begin to apply the words of God the way that you desire, with no context for the rest of the scriptures. Hello, right? Like, do we ever find ways to avoid the word of God? It's really ironic if you remember Yusuf's sermon from just a couple of weeks ago, Amos just spent time crying for and pleading for and praying for Israel and Israel's priest. Amaziah is now trying to muzzle the very prophet who just prayed to the Lord on his behalf. This is the priest, y'all, right? Uh, yet he's lying. He's at the wrong location, he's hating on Amos, and these verses should be a reminder once again that you can easily be around the things of God yet be totally missing God. Just because you're in the church of God doesn't mean that the God of the church is in you. It doesn't mean that we're following him the way that God desires. Amos, or Amaziah goes on and calls him a seer as opposed to a prophet, as Amos even calls himself in verse six. So this is a low-key diss. Seers saw visions and that's it. Prophets also heard from God in multiple different ways and had some authority behind their words. So he's essentially saying, hey, look, Amos, I've appreciated your words, seeing that you're a little seer and all. Anytime you have the word a little in front of something, is such a disrespect, right? It's like, those are nice little shoes. That was a nice little Bible study that you led, okay? Uh, Amaziah is a hater. Uh, notice the repetition here of that word there, right? Uh, it's like, yeah, you're good, but go do that stuff over there. Uh, we don't want to hear it here. It's interesting that the priest of God who should be most interested in hearing the voice of God, yet he doesn't recognize the voice of God even slightly through the prophet Amos. Be careful of the types of priests that you're listening to and following, family. They can have the title of pastor and not actually be hearing or responding to the words of God, okay? Uh, It's intriguing, Amaziah here is also accusing Amos of doing this for money. That phrase there, eat bread, it's a phrase that represents how you make your money, how you make a living. We literally still use that type of phrase today. It's like, oh, he making that bread, that dough, that artisan loaf. I'm just kidding, don't nobody say that. That kind of slaps though, right? I'm out here making that artist, that's that hipster money, right? No, he's accusing Amos of doing this for financial gain. When in reality, we actually see Israel being unwilling to repent because there's currently in a season of financial gain. Remember the sermon from several weeks ago? They are living in luxury right now. That is why they are unwilling to repent. And now Amaziah is accusing Amos of doing this for money. There's an important insight there in that family. Uh, so often when someone is hiding sin, They end up hiding it so well that they even begin to hide it from themselves. And then they preach against someone for doing almost the exact same sin that they themselves are hiding and end up indicting themselves with their own very words. Romans 2 says this is a pattern of humanity. So when you begin to throw accusation, I would encourage you to be attentive to your words because the reason you may be seeing it is that your heart is familiar with it. You just aren't submitting to it. Uh, so Amaziah also, by the way, makes his living from being a priest. So he's accusing the prophet of doing the, how you think he gets his bread? <laughs> Literally eating the bread of the presence in that moment. Secondly, we'll see in uh, Amos' rebuttal in a second. Amos is actually losing money by following God's command here. And so notice two things in this text. Uh, Amaziah, he never calls anything the Lord's or he never calls upon the name of the Lord in this entire section versus Amos does it twice. He calls Yahweh two different times. What Amaziah is doing is calling everything the kings. It is the king's sanctuary. It is the temple of the kingdom. I care more about the structure of faith rather than the heart of faith. I want the organization of the church versus the heart of the church. Amaziah is being very hypocritical in this moment. Also, Amaziah never makes a counterclaim that he is, as the priest of God, God's legitimate mouthpiece, as if he kind of knew that these words were indeed from the mouth of God. He just wasn't used to hearing it himself, so he didn't know what to do with it. You see, God was supposed to be speaking to the priest and the priest was supposed to be speaking on behalf of God. So really, the things that I can't highlight on the screen uh, because they're absent might be revealing to us more about Amaziah and his heart than the things that I can highlight on the screen. Uh, Here's what I'm getting at here in all of this. The fact that it's a priest that is saying all of this makes it really, really clear. It does not matter what title you have, friend. It does not matter if you're a CG Shepherd, if you're a staff team member, if you're an elder, if you're a team lead of some team, we all have to assess if we are truly right with God. Um, Are we ignoring, perhaps even passively, the words of God so that we can continue to live in our comfortable lives just like Amaziah is doing here? So we can ignore justice, we can ignore the call for mercy, We can ignore the call towards repentance of our sin. We can ignore the call of righteousness or of following God so that we can continue to live the type of life that we want to live, applying certain portions of scripture that fit in with our idea of God. But where that begins to get altered by the true reality of who God is, we reject those words. We don't even hear them. We do not listen to them. It's so interesting, notice, he doesn't ask Amos to stop prophesying as if what he's saying is false. He's just like, yo, go do it over there, (laughs) right? Um, Sometimes the true measure of your heart, what I'm saying, is not as much as what you're hearing as much as it is the things that you do not want to hear. Like, I do not want to hear convicting sermons because I'm comfortable, because that might make me change. Y'all, I do not want to hear certain things at times, y'all. Right, like just being honest. Like every time I hear a sermon about sacrificial giving, it's always hard because I do not want to sacrificially give. Like I'm just being honest. And so then it's hard for me, but is that what the scriptures are calling? And what do I believe about God that would make me say that rather than responding to the words of God, which I know will give me life, I desire to shuck the words of God and to live my own life as if I can give me more life than God himself can who is life in and of himself. Amos's words are true, but Amaziah ain't trying to hear them. Uh, What in your life right now are you not trying to hear? What is it that you are not trying to hear? Uh, You may not just be silencing your discomfort and your rejection of those words. You may be trying to muzzle the very mouth of God because Amos was sent by God. So in telling Amos to shut up, Amaziah is telling God to shut up. Be careful what you reject, Saint. I know that I have Amaziah built up all in my heart. It's all in there. And though I don't ever want to actively say it and may trick myself because those words don't come out of my heart, my actions reveal what I truly believe. There's Amaziah in my heart. Now, Amos, he opens up his round of battle rap with some bars too. do. He's like, my rebuttal game crazy. Amos says, listen, uh, I wasn't a prophet. In fact, I was out here making that good money, right? Uh, remember, if you were here week one and two, Amos was actually probably really middle class. Like he was kind of right in the middle, like your typical suburban dude, right? He was making actually really good money. So him answering the call of God was actually him stepping away from some money because he's going to a place that ain't gonna pay him to hear these words. Uh, Which side note, at times when you decide to respond to the call of God, you're entering into uncomfortable seasons, family stepping away from money or comfort or luxury or ease or safety. There are times even that we have to carry heavy burdens as God calls us to respond to him, like going and telling all of Israel they're in sin. So you have to ask yourself when God calls you to do hard things for him, would I rather have comfort or would I rather have the presence of God? Because where God calls you, that's where he meets you as well. Now you can have comfort, But often where you stay, when God begins to move, you're staying in comfort, but missing the very presence of God. Which would you rather have, family? You know, side note part two, I think that many of us think that we can't do biblical things of massive proportions because we're not pastors or missionaries or prophets like Amos, but neither was Amos. He wasn't a prophet, the son of a prophet. Amos is just a regular dude. So you may right now be a herdsman, but God may be calling you to be a fisher of men. Are you listening to the voice of God? Be sensitive to what God is calling you into, church family. Listen to the voice of God in your life. Amos says that God took him from following the flock of sheep to prophesying to God's sheep, Israel, from following the flocks of God to leading the flock of God. And God can call you too, friend. So he said, uh, Amaziah, right, in this moment, Amaziah says, hey, do not prophesy. And then get out of here with your little prophecies. But then Amos says, hey, let me tell you something that you don't wanna hear because of that. And then he lays down this bitter, bitter prophecy about what the rejection of his words would cost him. His wife would be a prostitute. His sons and daughters would be killed by the sword. His land would be divided up. He will die in an unclean land. All of Israel would end up going into exile. Um, Friends, I wanna be sober here for a second. Um, Rejecting the word of God always costs something. Usually that cost is heavier than what we can bear or pay. Uh, It can cost us our marriages. It can cost us our dignity. It can cost us our joy. Literally, like if I can be even more sober for a moment, this week, literal people came to mind who I thought about who were following God, but then over time began to slowly but surely reject the words of God, and I just began to think about where they are now. Confusion, deep, deep hurt, deep sorrow, bitterness that is so hard in their heart that they're no longer finding the joy of the Lord or really the joy of anything. They're missing out on so much. You see, even for those of us who reject Christ eternally, it will cost us eternal presence with God. We are exiled out of heaven into hell, into a foreign land for all of eternity. Rejecting the words of God are serious and they carry with them serious consequences, there is punishment in rejecting the words of God. And this should cause us to pray for ourselves and for others, that we will be sensitive to the words of God. Unless we think that these words of God is the severity of God in his punishment, often what God is doing is rather than personally punishing us, he's just giving us into our sins that we're rejecting him for. We say, I don't want to follow you, God. I want to follow these other gods. So God allows these other gods to begin to rule over us. And what happens is when our life begins to crumble and shake, rather than getting mad at the false gods we're worshiping, we get mad at the real God, right? And we end up being confused in our life. God here is trying to warn them away from destruction and away from sin. But after a while, he says, okay, if you want to go that route, then go, you shall. And he gives us a way to our sin. He delivers us into gods that rule over us with cruelty, into demons, into darkness, into sin that ends up enslaving us. Notice for Amaziah, his family gets destroyed. Since he's trying to keep his comfort, he ends up losing the very thing that he loves. Uh, and then he loses his land. So he loses all of his inheritance. Then he dies in an unclean land. So he is forever defiled in that culture, a Gentile forever, his legacy tied not to the God of Yahweh but to the God of other lands since he was already serving these gods anyway with his heart. God allowed him to even die there where his heart was. Israel itself, who he was supposed to be leading, they will be in other lands as well. Because when you are in spiritual leadership and decide to give way to sin, it tends to drag others into that sin right along with you, family. So leadership is important then, that there's holiness and a rejection of sin and an acceptance of God's word. Now, let me take a moment here in the midst of this heaviness to say this. If you feel the weight of this, praise God. Praise God. Because it is with this weight, that the gospel speaks directly into family. You see, Jesus' family is the greater Amos. Jesus too gave a message that was rejected by the priests, even the high priest during his time. Jesus too was falsely accused to kings by priests because they didn't wanna hear God's words. He was, they were lying to keep their position of power and of comfort, even though they were already enslaved to another ruler, just like Israel is enslaved to their sin right now. Jesus too goes from the place of God, heaven, into a foreign land, earth, and prophesies against it. Just like Amos went from Judah to Israel to do the same. Jesus too was sent by God to preach peace to those who are near and to those who are far off. And he called us into repentance and to receive the words of God. Jesus is the greater Amos, praise God. But here's the even crazier thing, beloved. The heaviness for rejecting God's word the responsibility of what would happen for the rejection of God's word. Jesus, though completely perfect and sinless, is not only the greater Amos, but he becomes the greater Amaziah. You see, Jesus too lost his wife, the church, to prostitution. As we went around and slept with whatever gods we desired to and uh, betrayed the true lover of our souls, Jesus would die on our behalf. As we chased other gods and broke our covenant with him, so too Jesus' wife would become a prostitute. You see, Jesus too, he ended up losing sons and daughters to the sword of sin. And as we chased after sin, so too did we die because of that sin. Jesus knows what it's like in this moment. You see, Jesus too saw the land that was divided, literally split open as he died on that cross. Jesus too died in an unclean land, literally in the place of the skull, Golgotha, at the hands of Gentile sinners is how your savior died. Jesus too was exiled, but not just from the land, but into death, into hell itself was the exile that Jesus felt. Jesus, though hearing every single word of God and being completely obedient to God, he died as if he was Amaziah. So that we who at times live like we're Amaziah and reject the word of God might receive his pardon and his mercy and his forgiveness. Jesus is a good savior. There is a merciful God that loves us. And even though the punishment for our rejection should be separation forever, Jesus would pay the price. And he would come down to try to win our souls and to re-preach to us the words of God and say, come to me again. So now we can be empowered to live like Amos or better yet, we can be empowered to live like Jesus, the better Amos, the greater prophet of God. And as Jesus resurrected and began to resurrect us in that moment, rather than condemning us, he showed us that while God is still the God of justice, he is also the God of mercy and he commissions us to be like Amos, even though we reject the words of God, he commissions us again and again and again and can cleanse us again and again and again. So I don't know how you were rejecting the words of God this week, but God wants to meet you this morning with mercy saints, with the mercy and the blood of Jesus, and then commission us to go proclaim justice and mercy in this land. So how is Jesus calling you to respond to this series at large then, saints? I wanna literally think about that for a moment. Uh, I I wanna actually think, what part of this series was like the most convicting, the most encouraging, the most challenging, the most healing? How might Jesus be calling you to imitate him in different ways? Because we really are left with two options. We can hear the words of God through Amos, and like Amos, we can respond to them right, who leaves the herd to obey God, or we could be like Amaziah, and we can dress ourselves as priests to think that God is pleased with our religious garments, but then reject the words of God, and in doing so, end up rejecting God himself. These are the words of God, saints. The book of Amos is a canonized word for a reason because it is living and active and it is profitable that we may mature into the image that Christ desires us. How are we responding to the book at large? Jesus calls us to respond. Now, is it hard to to respond to Christ? Kind of, right? Um, Jesus asks a lot from our lives, y'all. He wants our finances and our time. He wants our discipleship. He wants us in church on Sundays, but also doing devotionals throughout the weekdays. He wants us to rest in him, but to share the gospel. He wants us to make disciples and to to fight for justice. He really does demand a lot. In fact, he demands our whole lives. That's what the scriptures would say. He doesn't just want religious garments as Joel chapter 2 verse 13 would say. No, God actually desires our entire heart. The outward appearance of our works don't mean anything to him if our heart is far from him like Amaziah's was. He desires all of us and he is worthy of this because of what we just said he went through to win those hearts. He is worthy of everything. He saved us from separation. He does want all of it. It wants us advancing the kingdom in all ways. Here's the trick though. Even though it can be hard to follow Jesus, his commands also are not burdensome, First John would say. It may be heavy, it may even be a lot at times, but it is not burdensome. Um, Amos never mourns the fact that he's a prophet of God. Right? Uh, he's getting to experience the very presence of God and the comfort of God, even in the midst of the hardship that God has called him into. The more of your life you give to Christ, I believe the easier and lighter your yoke becomes. I mean, Jesus says this, didn't he? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But when you come to Jesus just two chapters earlier, he would say you have to surrender everything in order to come to him. And yet he gives you rest. Why? He's gentle, he's lowly in heart. There will be rest, not just for your bodies or your minds, but literally your souls, the spiritual being of who you are, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Literally, the more joy that you have, you will have more joy as you surrender everything to him. The problem that we face is that we often try to add Jesus to our jobs rather than seeing how our jobs are meant for Jesus. We try to add social justice to our already busy schedule rather than seeing how Jesus is calling us to use the very gifts that he gave us to give them back over into him, how we are giving him our passion. So don't get me wrong. Christ calls for sacrifice at times, but there's always joy in the sacrifice if we wait for him. Just this week in my devotional time, I was reading in Second uh, Kings, and there's a place where Elisha is uh, hungry because there's a famine in the lamb. And he goes to a widow and she has just a little bit of oil to make a little bit of bread, enough for her and her son, and then they're going to die. And Elisha says, hey, give this over to the Lord. And she in obedience gives it, but in giving it, she's literally giving what? Her life. The very thing that Jesus asked from us. But as she gives it over to the Lord, that oil not only doesn't run out and feed her family for that day, it actually maintained and fed her throughout the rest of the famine so that she was able to survive. So to us and God, though sometimes we give and that momentary giving feels like sacrifice, on the back end there's always joy because God is faithful to his promises, saints. And as God promised that he would be with you forever, even until the end of the age, as you go and make disciples, as you go into the world. And so I I wanna get really practical here. Um, How is God calling you to respond in the words throughout this series? I wanna literally take time to pray for this today. Like literally in a moment, we're gonna take like five minutes and rather than preaching through the end of this series, I wanna pray through the end of this series as a church. What is God actually calling you into? Like what are one or two ways where God is calling you to act with justice or mercy or repentance or righteousness? Now remember, we cannot take everything and do all acts of justice that we ever desire to see because we are not Christ himself, but we can respond, y'all. We can respond in what God is calling us into. And so where might, be God, where might God be stirring your heart for a certain type of justice so that we can bring it? Where is he desiring to extend a certain type of mercy so that we can give it? Where do we need to repent and turn away from our wicked ways that do not bring us joy, that do not bring us life in the end? Where does righteousness need to reign through us and will we allow it to reign through us and will we bring it for the glory of God? If we could think about these and respond to them, then we're putting to practice a really difficult but a very important book in the book of Amos. Maybe those questions don't trigger any reminder at all. Uh, Maybe at some point in the sermon or during worship today or in prior weeks, the Holy Spirit of God just spoke to you, and you remember that as I'm speaking, even right now. He's calling you to respond in different ways. One of the things that we realize in this series, one of the things that we desire as a church, is actually to see true racial reconciliation, true justice in the land. We want this church to reflect the kingdom of heaven because God called us to bring the kingdom on earth as it will be in heaven. And so one of the things that we literally did, and you can go look at these videos if you want, there was no sermon in this series about reconciliation, though it's a justice heart for our church. And so you can go to this, uh, thewell.cm slash justice, and it's a five-part series that literally is like a guide that you can go through with other people. So if you're like, hey, how do you do this practically? Like That's one of the ways that God has called me personally and then our church collectively to move in justice and there's sermons and questions and we're actually gonna build out a library. There's other people shooting videos right now that will add onto this where hopefully we're able to do this as a church. So there's different ways that you can play this out, right? Like that's one of many that I feel like God has called me and others to play into. But I wanna say two things as we enter into this time. Um, One, I want you to remember Amos. Amos was not a prophet of God, right? And yet he was able to hear from God as he took time to listen to God. So even though you may not have some random gifts from God, I do want you to know that God can speak to you in this moment. If you're like, hey, no, I want you to speak to me and finish the sermon. No, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. His words can do more than any human words ever could, family. Trust that the Spirit can speak to you. And then remember, maybe ask him for a reminder of how he spoke to you in the past. Secondly, um, if you're unsure where you are with God, or if you know, like, I'm not a Christian, but I'm trying to figure this out, I would invite you to ask God to speak to you today as well. Um, Maybe you began to feel something in the midst of this sermon. Ask him to confirm that that wasn't just some random emotional feeling because my voice was inflating, that the Holy Spirit of God wants to meet with you that God is real, that God is active, that God wants to respond. Ask him to literally speak to you because if we move from the series and enact all justice in the world, but miss our relationship with God, we're missing the whole point of the whole Bible. God is trying to reconcile us to himself so I'm gonna have Chris come up here um, on the worship team so he can play during this time. And I would invite you, however you hear from God, maybe pull out a journal, maybe pull out your phone, maybe just sit in silence for a little bit. And I'm gonna use the end of this sermon just to ask God to speak to us, to ask God to remember, are any of those four questions triggers for you to remember how God wants you to respond in this series? Uh, maybe God just wants to tell you that he loves you, that he's really proud of you, Praise God, receive that. Maybe you're doing a lot of works. Maybe you've already responded. Listen to the voice of God. Hear the blessing over you. Receive the blessing from God today, saints. I don't know what God wants to speak, but I do believe that we serve a God who speaks. And so let me pray for us as we get started, and then we'll just spend some time reflecting with the Lord. Um, Heavenly Father, I don't wanna waste these moments. And so I actually just pray really, really simply here. I pray that you would speak to every single person in this room right now. If I could confess my own fear, my fear is that there's too many people to hear your voice, but you are the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God who is able to respond to each of us. And so I pray whatever distractions are in our heart that you would remove them. Whatever things we're were running through, would you remove them? And Spirit of God, would you speak to each of us this morning? Our hearts are open. Our souls are open. God, in the next several moments, would we be able to hear from you? Would we be able to hear from you? Friends, listen to the voice of your Savior now. Ask him to speak to you. Father, we thank you. God, I confess it could be hard to sit for four minutes and 30 seconds at times without my mind wandering a thousand places. God, I confess that there are times that if I'm not hearing from you like directly, then it feels like, oh, what am I doing? God, I pray that any of that guilt that maybe anybody experienced would wash away in your blood. Jesus, for anybody in the room who did hear from you, who maybe you're calling them to respond in different ways. Maybe you were just blessing them. I pray that they would receive that, Jesus. As tears fall or as hearts flutter or as conviction lands or as zeal emerges, I pray that we would do something with that. Recognize that you're trying to interact with us, God. Jesus, I know at times we maybe even hear things on behalf of other people. I pray we would speak those words over them. Jesus, just as I'm praying, just looking around the room and thinking about the saints of God and how you love them. As I look up and see Paul Hosley, just feeling the Lord tell me, he loves you, brother. He is proud of you. He cares about you. He sees you. As I look in different spaces, just believing that, man, God is a God who speaks. He wants you to know him. And so Jesus, I pray for each of us today that we would hear your words and respond to them, that we would know your heart, Jesus, and be moved by it, and that we would be a people like Amos who responds to the words of God and who walks out the will of God so that we can experience the presence of God all the days in our life. We love you, Jesus. We bless you. We pray all these things in your very beautiful name. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about us or how to get further connected, please
1: visit our website, thewellaustin.com.